Hello and welcome to the Colts Cover 2 podcast. I'm Joel A. Erickson. I'm joined as always by Nate Atkins. Uh, we are actually uh, getting out of Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It's a little bit different schedule. We are trying to make it home to our families for Christmas, so we are going to the airport. Uh, we apologize. There may be some, uh, some, some direction giving and stuff as we get into the car here and walk out of the stadium, but this, this is our best chance to get you the podcast. This is what we're going to do. Uh, Nate and I have different flights. That's part of it. Um, we're going to different places. Nate's going to his hometown. Not your hometown. Is Columbus home your hometown? Area. No, home I grew area. Up an hour, hour north of there, but okay. all my family's in Columbus. So. And I'm I'm obviously going back to Indy uh, to be there for Christmas morning with my kids. So we're gonna, we're, like I said, we're gonna bear with us. We're gonna try to do this. We wanted to get you the first impressions podcast if we could. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if it works. <laughs> uh, not the hard part about this game is there's not a ton to talk about uh, in terms of the categories. When we get to it, it's gonna be kind of like it was in Cincinnati. Some pretty bad stuff. This this is a Colts lose today, 29 to 10. They really blow a chance uh, to give themselves maybe a chance in the AFC South. When, I, when we walked off of the field uh, just now after shooting our video and, and me doing TV, the the Bucks were up 10 nothing on the Jaguars. Still 10 nothing. So 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 maybe the Colts blew a chance to take the lead in the AFC South. Um, that it's kind of a they still have a chance. The missed opportunity is the big thing in terms of the big picture. For sure. It's, it was set up to where if the Jaguars had lost today, the Colts were in control of their own destiny because they've got that game against Houston at the end of the season. Uh, you know, it's three games. We said it earlier in the week. The three winnable games, they may be favorites in all three of them, but winning them all is a challenge when you are a team that is still pretty young. They still have their flaws. What I think really showed today to me was that that Bengals loss was not just a total anomaly. It's it's the worst of them, but there are things that happened in that game in Cincinnati that we saw again here just two weeks later on the road against, you know, a team fighting for 500, a, a team that's got some some really good playmakers. Like there were just certain flaws I thought came out uh, on the road again, and they've, that's something they – I mean, two more home games is, is what they've got to get into the playoffs, but it's something where, like, they, they really got to drill down now because you have to win the final two games. Yeah, well, I think the categories will probably take care of some of the flaws we're talking about. So we're just gonna we're just gonna jump right in. Again, this is a little bit of a weird uh, pod in terms of us getting out of here, um, but <laughs> it's, they lost the game, so we can start with the villain of the game. We'll, we'll we'll start with the villain of the game. We'll make it easy as we try to get out of the stadium. Uh, I'm gonna go with the offensive line. Uh, geez, it was it's so it's such a weird group to evaluate because last week they were so awesome. They should have. I forget if we made them the hero, but they should have been the heroes of the game. But uh, this week, just they, they couldn't get anything happening in the run game. The five-man front gave them trouble. Jonathan Taylor couldn't get going. It's frustrating to add him back and not be able to run the ball. And then pass pro was just they, – they started out pretty well. But once Calais Campbell just sort of started exerting himself around the edge, uh, it became a long day. The, the stunts, some of the blitzes got to them. It just – uh, just, just not that. That was a group that had to elevate with Michael Pittman Jr. out, backup quarterback, Jonathan Taylor coming back, and and they didn't elevate. So I just think you have to kind of put a lot of loss on them as a group that while they were missing Braden Smith, same group last week that, that ran all over the Steelers and they couldn't do anything today. Yeah, it, it, the offensive line is getting hard to talk about because just when you think they they're putting together a bunch of good stuff, they put together something bad like today. Mm-hmm. And and it makes it it makes it hard to talk about them in terms of the totality of the season. I think, I think on in general, they've been on the on the better side of things. But but yeah, it's it's really hard to talk about the offensive line. My my villain of the game, I 
I'm kind of just going to give this to the entire defense. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to pin it down. I think it all works together in a way. I kind of want to do it with the secondary. But I, I'm just going to go with the whole defense because really this the way – and, and Chris Ballard is also included in this because of the youth they're playing with in the secondary. Um, we'll get into this a little bit more, but let's, let's just do a little bit of it now. Like I asked Shane Steichen, like – some questions about pressure and some of the stuff you guys have been asking, you know, pressure. Uh, is, are there more ways to blitz? You know, could you play tighter coverage and, and cl close down some of those running backs? And his answer was what I told you guys on Ask Joel. And I know no one likes this, but it's true. If they don't do that, they are worried that they're going to give up uh, explosive pass plays. And they're probably right. They started to, not started. But by the, after Julian Blackman went down today, the secondary was two rookies at cornerback and two second-year players at safety and Kenny Moore. That's, that is a very inexperienced group. And, and they have been up and down all season. They've looked inexperienced. And so they, they don't feel like they can play some of this stuff that requires you to play more of a man-to-man -man look to send extra people. Yeah, this is where it felt so much like the Bengals to me because where they, they got the Colts is they had a very smart offensive game plan to kind of minimize things on the backup quarterback. But what they also had was explosive playmakers and just getting the ball to them got the Colts in that bind where they would don't want to get give up the explosive play, so they play so far off. They give all this space to guys that they can't come up and tackle, like Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Drake London. Those guys just ate them all day long. And it felt reminiscent to when, you know, some of the stuff that the, the Bengals were able to do uh, with Jamar Chase and uh, – and T. Higgins especially, and then and then Joe Mixon. So it's just the bind that they're in right now based on the personnel, and it's unfortunate because I, they just set the Indy record for sacks today uh, with 47, but they only got one sack for zero yards. The pass rush, just like in Cincinnati, disappeared because, you know, so, some of it's on them, but it's largely on the youth in the secondary and just how far back they had to play. Do you have a hero of the game? Yeah. There's one player I was actually quite impressed with, um, but you already said you're going to take him. So I'll leave no, him. no, no, you can take it. You can take it. It's fine. Okay, I'll take him. Kyler Granson, I thought, made some really nice catches, uh, really tough catches across the middle, first downs. When the, 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 the last gasp they had was, was that drive where they kicked a field goal, their only, other, well, their only second scoring drive, but that drive in the next one it gave him a chance to sort of stay on the field they really needed a touchdown and, and he didn't have anything around him but really he's the only skill player that I thought did much of anything I thought he had all the best plays um, I have to look up what his final numbers were uh, but but yeah in general uh, whenever I can pull his numbers up but in general like that's the only uh, skill player that I thought stepped up and did much of anything I guess Josh Downs had a decent game but in the most part the only guy really making those plays when they had to have plays uh, was Kylan Granson, who now that I have his uh, thing up finally, uh, he had five catches for 62 yards and seven targets. And again, some of those were just very, very tough catches. So I give him some credit. Um, here are the game for me. It's, it's going to be weird picking a defense on a defensive day that was really bad. Uh, EJ Speed I thought was really good. Um, yeah, there, there was some of the – uh, it's hard to know how, how much some of the coverage responsibility went on him for some of the running back plays, that kind of thing. But over overarching look at EJ Speed is just when when they needed plays, like you think about the penalty on him, which was a bad one. I didn't think it was a good call. I thought the running back was still in bounds, and I thought he made a pretty legal hit. Yep. Um, 
right after that, he made like four plays in a row, two tackles and like two like broke up a pass, tackle for loss. He was just really good after that play. And I thought, you know, I thought EJ Speed probably on a defense that was mostly terrible. EJ Speed was was the was actually had a good day. Yeah, I thought he was the one guy actually tackling, frankly. Like it, everyone else just seemed to step slow today. EJ was there. I guess they thought a step too aggressive on the penalty, but it, it looked like a terrible call to me. So it's, you know, he's, he's made an impact the two games since he's come back. And um, that is one guy that I guess if he had to pick someone to get a pass on the defense, he's probably the best choice. Um, the, uh, the unsung villain of the game, again, this is another one where we could pick just about anybody we want. But the unsung villain of the game for me, I, I think I'm going to go with <laughs> with Alec Pierce and maybe maybe to some degree the way that he was used from the offense. Like that we do have some example of Alec Pierce being able to uh, to play sort of the Pittman role. We saw it against Denver last season. We are in the car now. I don't know if that makes the sound better or not. We'll find out. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> The, the, but Pierce, they, they kind of needed Pierce to be to be more today. He had a drop today. I think it's his second drop of the season. His drops are not as overblown as it seems on X Twitter, which is a terrible website to find out stuff. <laughs> um, but it's just they they needed they needed a receiver to step up in that way today, um, and and Pierce wasn't able to do it. Now I do I will say this: they still ran him on a lot of the deep routes. Like I don't know that his role was completely tailored the way it could have been. So that. There might be a little bit on the coaching staff for not realizing that, like, against Denver last year, he did do that role. Yeah, I mean, I think today just showed some of what I thought was problematic with the way they've built the receiving core. And I think they've, like, Reggie Wayne's coached them really well. And, like, these guys all, when they're all out there together, can work nicely together. When they don't have Michael Pittman Jr., though, I just, like, that's – Alec Pierce's game is quite a bit different. Uh, you know, he's a downfield guy, sort of built to be low volume. And if you're going to try and sort of force something else out of him, you know, it doesn't always work. And so uh, so sometimes, you know, you're going to have a, a situation like today. And, yeah, he um, he's the closest one who, you know, is experienced enough to step in and, and try and be that and, and really wasn't. So um, i trying to think for my unsung villain, I'm going to go for somebody on defense here. Uh, feel like Nate's backing out of a spot right now. (laughs) We are truly, uh, truly trying to be versatile here. I'm trying to be Bijan Robinson and do everything at the same time. Uh, So uh, for mine, I'm going to go with. Hmm. I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to. This is a little hard because the whole secondary is a problem. But I'm going to go with Rodney Thomas. Uh, Just for a defense that's playing the way they are, which is built around you know give space prevent the explosives your safeties have to be a little bit better frankly like the Kyle Pitts touchdown was kind of a rough moment you know I thought his tackling was that's kind of the thing he brings most consistently and it was all right I mean now he, he wasn't able to get to um is that Bijan on the 31 yarder or Tyler Algier I kind of forget at this point I think the run was Algier Algier um that was the one that kind of like broke loose in the run game but he's He's tackling fine. He's just not, not. He's got a lot on his plate right now to make up for some of these young corners and and whatnot. But it, it's it's got to be a little better than that. Where today, again, kind of like Alec Pierce, he's sort of the defensive version of Alec Pierce. He's not an experienced player, but he's the most experienced they got. When they got Nick Cross out there, other than Kenny Moore, when they've got Nick Cross out there, 
in those you know rookie corners he's got it he's the guy that's played the most I just thought he could have been a little bit a little bit sharper and uh, if they're gonna play defense it's gonna take away explosives you got to be a little better at taking away the explosives and so I, I just thought the safety play uh, you know could be better so that it, it really that could have gone to anybody on that defense so it's kind of it feels bad picking on just one of the members and he didn't have an overly egregious day but unsung villain is a guy that, that could have done more to help so I think he fits that hardest hardest category of the day unsung hero I'll 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 go unsung hero this is this is I'll go quitty pay uh, and this is more of a season-long award for having eight sacks uh, He's got eight and a half sacks now. He got the the record breaker. They have forty seven sacks now. That's the most they've they've had in the Indianapolis era. Um, it's 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 a it's something that feels hollow after this game today. But the flip side of that is the flip side of that is like the reason part of the reason they're eight and seven is the pass rush. So that's that's why it's it's that and it's just kind of him figuring out a way to be successful as a pass rusher when. I don't think he's quite as naturally. I think he's quite as natural as, as say, like the you know, I'm trying to think of, like a Von Miller when he was young or, or somebody like that. So we'll go Quiddy Pay there for the unsung hero. Yeah, that's what unsung hero today is sort of. It's hollow, kind of no matter where you go. I'm going to go with Josh Downs. Uh, he had six catches for 39 yards. It doesn't jump off the page on a day like today, though. Uh, you know, he was he was the best receiver, wide receiver that they had. Um, it was a tough situation with Michael Pittman Jr. being ruled out last night, and they thought he would be that number one. And so, Josh, they, they schemed some stuff up for it. I thought when they got him the ball, he did some good things. He had a nice, he put a nice move on a guy to get a first down on a 14-yard catch. He was about to set up a touchdown on that play where Blake Freeland was down the field. I thought he could have even done more if Gardner Minshew got the ball a little bit quicker. And then they went to him once down the field, and uh, you know, I think if Gardner, the, the DB caught up, but if Gardner maybe throws that just a tick sooner, uh, you know, that may have been a chance at one explosive play. But he's, it's more that he gets, I think, a pass for guys, people we can blame in the offense. Is the rookie slot receiver, uh, he, he kind of did the role he was supposed to do. They just did not have the other pieces, which are supposed to be, you know, Taylor and Pittman really producing and trying to get explosive with Alec Pierce. But I thought for the most part, Josh Downs at least did his job. And, and just a quick way for me to plug the story that I did this past week on him coming back to uh, Atlanta, the Atlanta area. He grew up, you know, he's the son of a Falcons running back, and his dad, Gary Downs, played his last season right as his wife was pregnant with Josh. And this is – they had about 20 family members out there to see him. And um, I know you guys all watched the draft video where he was so emotional, so the story tried to lay out kind of what all went into that. So if you haven't checked that out, head to the Indy Star and, and check it out. Uh, number of the day, uh, I, I'm going to go with 19. That was the number of yards Jonathan Taylor had on his first two carries. He finished with 43 uh, with 16 more carries. They couldn't get anything going. His return. The, the thing about those first two, the thing, the reason I picked it is those first two carries, you were like, you know what, Jonathan Taylor looks pretty good. He doesn't look rusty. He looks like he's going to – he just didn't have any room to run. I thought Blake Freeland, this, that's probably another unsung – you did the offensive line, but like if you were going to single out one person, I thought Blake Freeland had a bad game. But like, yeah. that they just could not get Taylor going at all in the running game, and and the offensive line had a lot to do with it. They they needed to, frankly, in this game, uh, they need to in every game. They need to have the running game going because you can't put every too much on Gardner Minshew. 
Yeah, I'm driving, so I'm going to kind of make a weird choice for the uh, <laughs> for the uh, the number of the day. It's kind of a, a random thing. I'm going to go with zero, and that is the number of combined turnovers and sack yardage that the Colts got today as a defense. So Quidipe had the one sack, but it was for zero yards, and they did not get the turnover. Uh, you know, the one moment that I thought they could have made the real splash play was Zaire Franklin cutting that pass. He may have gotten a pick six if he's able to hold on and just finish that. And it, that's really what summed up the day to me is on both sides of the ball, they just could not make any splash plays. I'll ask you this. What was the most impressive play that a Colt made today? Uh, you're stepping on five, uh, three football things that gave me joy. But Grover, uh, Stewart, we can, we can Grover, Stewart, Grover Stewart's paw ruining Bijan Robinson's Okay, that one, that one was very nice. So um, that's one. Was there any explosive play that you noticed? Uh, EJ Speed had a couple, like defensively. They the thing was they had some tackles for loss in the run game that looked good. They they were immediately erased, mm -hmm. but um, they there were there were a couple. Yeah, in general though, it's just zero sack yardage was shocking to me. Uh -oh. So they, we've been over that though. The pass rush just it, it it isn't all on them. It's not primarily not on them, but it was. I don't know. It's they're not going to win if that's the formula, and especially against a backup quarterback, that's that's just not the way to go. That's why it felt like Cincinnati again. That brings us to the interlude. This is going to be very quick today, uh, both because the game was terrible and because of the the way we're doing this. Um, three football things that gave me joy. I already had uh, Grover Stewart's uh, paw bringing down Bijan Robinson. I think it's just like if you're just breaking it down to its most elemental thing, it's pretty fun to watch a giant man ripped down another person who's very athletic uh, with one hand. Uh, number two in in football things that gave me joy, um, some of the stuff they were doing with Josh Downs in, like, the yeah. motion game was fun. It didn't work necessarily for most of the game, but I, I liked the eye candy. There was one – There was he did it on the, uh, the, the only touchdown the Colts scored. But there was also one where he, like, kind of ran and looped around the quarterback and the running back. Just just – I kind of like some of that eye candy they were giving them. And the third football thing uh, that gave me joy is, man, it was a tough game for this. The third <laughs> third, third football thing that gave me joy. Um, Maybe we do two and two today. Unless you no, I'll, here, if you, go, if, you go, if you give your two, I'll, I'll come up with a third one. one. Okay, well, mine are not going to be popular because I'm going to have to give it to Falcons players. The Colts did not do much of anything on the football field other than Grover's play that gave me joy at all. So I'm just, I, you know, I love, I love watching great players play. And the two guys stood out to me today that were just kind of, as a football junkie, fun to watch. Bijan Robinson, I think you saw every bit of why that was the latest running back to go high in the draft. And you see, like, that's and, – and it does it, – I'll tie it in the Colts a little bit. If we haven't seen this from Taylor this season, really. But the, I, I do think that you can pay a running back. You can invest highly in a running back when he's that guy that does things that you watch and you say you can't do no, – like, almost no one else can do that. And some of his jump cuts, his ability to hit the – like, get to the sideline and up the field, uh, making guys miss, it, he, just, he just had them in a blender – all day long, and they knew he was getting the ball, and it didn't seem to matter. So he he's a special player. And the other one is different. It's uh, Calais Campbell, who had an incredible game. And the reason I bring him up is just kind of amazing when you see these guys who just do it for so long in a sport that's supposed to wear you down. When I, my first year in the field, I was on the Bears beat. They had a game against the Cardinals uh, in Calais Campbell, and, and I had a lot of linemen write, you know, lay out how difficult he is to play against because he's so long at like six eight that he gets his arms on you before you ever get them on him and it just totally messes up the run game and I felt like that was 
nine years in the making. That scouting report is exactly what he did to uh, the Colts today is just pretty much take away their ability to zone block at all. And it's just amazing to think that a, a pass rusher, is, in this way he's a run defender, but he's both, was doing that at 37 years old. So just um, really that's what today came down to is I, I thought the Colts would have the better playmakers. Once Pittman was out, um, it ended up being the Falcons that had the better ones. But uh, those two were, you know, entertaining at least. Uh, we'll go with EJ Speed's tear. I kind of referenced this after the penalty because it, it, I do think he got a raw deal on the penalty. I'd have to go back and look at it again. Um, I'd have to go back and look at it again on film to be sure. But, like, and the, 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 the run he went on to force a field goal attempt that um, – probably the, the, the one that would have the one that was missed the one that banged off the upright before a penalty brought it back like it's it's cool to see a player respond that way sometimes you see a player respond to a penalty by like getting too much in their head and and they have a bad one we'll we'll go with that for the third football thing that gave me joy i do have one colts one okay there I we feel go like I, I gotta match you and i should give at least one of the colts so we haven't brought him up he would be he was, i thought about him for unsung hero but rigoberto sanchez did one of his witch moves today when he booted the ball down to like the two yard line uh really felt like a moment where they could have gotten explosive play obviously everything else didn't work but just getting that down the way he did uh flipping the field just just pinning an offense back that's what he made him so great and then he tore an achilles and he you know we're just seeing with him and with julian blackman with dio dangbo like it does take time once these guys get back on the field to get back to what they really were at their peak and i think we're starting to see it with rigo and that was fun to see that flash that's a good one because that's actually i actually kind of want to sub that one back in because uh this is a very small football thing that gave me joy but that's kind of the that's kind of the point i love it when the gunner catches the punt like he's the return man <laughs> i love it anytime that happens uh game day observation my game day observation is they sent in freddie the falcon i checked his name is freddie uh on a rope that was tied to his legs he was like spinning out of control it was attached to a cable across the top of the stadium and basically he like Macaulay Culkin did in Home Alone but instead of his hands holding onto it his feet were on it and that is so terrifying to me now to be fair Freddie's a bird so he's not afraid of heights because he flies <laughs> and if he falls you know he can just flap his wings and go but like I would have been very scared and it was a very daring entrance for a mascot that's my game day observation yeah I enjoyed he brought some entertainment throughout this game that otherwise didn't have a lot to it. Uh, he was twerking at one point. Um, <laughs> it's just like dance moves you don't often see out of a mascot that were, I don't know, they were pretty they were pretty on point. So I like that one. I don't have a whole lot of other observations. I thought, I guess it makes sense, it's Christmas Eve, but I thought there'd be more people at this game. Very empty. Very empty today. So I guess I could circle back. Josh Downs having 20 20 family members there is pretty cool. He got to see him at the hotel last night, and then he got to see him after this game. And so uh, that, that really speaks a lot of a lot of these players are from Georgia uh, or the Atlanta area. You know, I know uh, Grover Stewart, Kenny Moore, those guys had family here. So um, I guess my game observation is just that even though it didn't go well for them, and I don't, fans probably don't care about it as much when they don't play well, but, uh, you know, it they got to spend some some of Christmas with their family, including Drew Ogletree, who's, whose mom flew his son and his little brother out here, and then they're going to fly back and go back to their hometown in Dayton tonight. So um, it's always kind of cool when, when the players get to, you know, they have to work like we do on a holiday, but they, they can have a little bit of family time too. Too little blame and too much blame. Uh, we'll start with too much blame. Who, who could have gotten too much blame for this game? 
I guess I'd go with Jonathan Taylor just because I don't think there was much there for him blocking-wise. I don't really like how they used him. I, part of it I, I know I don't didn't feel like they wanted to use him as much in the passing game because of the thumb. Uh, but, you know, just – they, I just thought they would get him on the edge a little bit more than they did. They tried one screen, but for the most part, they just did not give him a chance to be that guy at all. And, uh, you know, I just – and just if there's someone who, who gets a little bit of a pass based on situation, he is coming back from three weeks off. And um, I don't know. They're paying him a lot, so it's it's kind of a lame answer for this because he does he does have to be the star when Michael Pittman's not out there. But, man, you got to give him a little bit better support than what he got in the run game. I just, I just don't think they gave him – any daylight, and I think if they get back to, you know, giving him a little bit of a crease, we will see some – because he did have a couple of runs in there, I thought, where there was nothing there, and he got five or six out of it. Uh, and, there, and, again, this is another game where they didn't trust anyone else to touch the ball. So, uh, you know, it, it just was a tough day to run. My too much blame and too little blame go together. And I want to stress that we're saying too much blame, not that there's no blame. I think there's definitely blame on Gus Bradley. But I also think, and this is where the too little blame comes into play, that there's not enough blame on Chris Ballard in the front office for putting them in this situation that they're in where they've got such a young secondary. Well, and I, I guess it's, it's, it depends on how okay, we, okay you are with it. If you're okay with what they did in the secondary, then you kind of have to be okay with the way they're playing this year where they're not blitzing at all. I mean, Bradley never really blitzes a ton. He's always going to be more coverage, but like more, more zone coverage. But they really feel like they can't do it this year. A lot of it has to do with who they have in the secondary. That's on Ballard. If you, if you are fine with them going with the young guys, then you have to be fine with them playing this way because they have to try to win games. And as fun as it sounds to just go pell-mell, like Shane Steichen has said, and he said it in the press conference again today, he doesn't want explosives. So that's what they're doing to keep it from being explosives. The two things go hand in hand. Now, is Bradley blameless? No, but that's not the category. The category is too much blame. I think there's more things that Bradley can do in the secondary, maybe change up some of his own coverages more, maybe play them tighter. Um, but overarchingly, they're playing with what, they're, what they've been given. That leaves, that leaves too little blame for you. Which is always hard on a game like this because everyone's getting the blame that they usually rightly deserve. Um, too little blame for me. I guess I'm just going to go back to what I referenced earlier, Zaire Franklin. I'm going to use him today. This is a good one. Because you almost never use him. We know what he is. He's the leader of the team, really good player. But today, like, he had a moment where he could have given that splash play, given them a lead in the second quarter. It's the type of play where they've gotten in past games that have been tight. That's how what Kenny Moore did to beat the Panthers, for example. Uh, they, they've been getting these turnovers recently, and he had one kind of right there where he, he read it. The, the quarterback, Taylor Heineke, didn't seem like he saw him at all. He jumped it, could have taken it to the house, and, and not only would that have been seven points that the offense couldn't get and didn't get, but it's also just the momentum of that moment. I, I think that that could have been a play we looked back on and said, like, wow, they, you know, they, their veterans are really coming up and, and coming through as we have this season. And he just didn't deliver on that. And, in, in, you know, increased performance brings increased expectations. And he's, his goal is, he says, he looks at himself as the best linebacker in football. Well, you got to make a play like that to kind of stake that claim. So, I mean, he's a great player. He's had a great season. But that was a moment where they needed a splash play, and it was, it was there, and, and he didn't make it. 
He's also he's also kind of struggled in in the middle of the field in coverage. He's a little bit late on a lot of stuff, missing some stuff for a while now. Um, that leaves us with one to throw away and one to go on. One to throw away for me. Uh, the idea that this is uh, like the the one to throw away is just uh, th- these are going to go hand in hand for me. One to throw away is that this is some indictment of of Steichen or the Colts is a this is I don't think most people think this. I've seen some people say it, but like this. This my one to go on. I'll just do both of them, and then I'll let you finish because we're getting here to the airport. But like, this is a season where the Colts are starting their backup quarterback from the majority of the games. They clearly didn't go for it in the off season. Uh, no one would have expected them to be eight and seven at this point, anyway. So you have to factor that in a little bit. Like the the outrage of them playing terribly. I get it. Like you 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 want the team to win and you want them to look good, like they have in other games, but. Haven't we seen across the NFL that this is backup quarter life with a backup quarterback? Like, look at the Bengals. They destroyed the Colts, uh, come back to beat the Vikings, and lay a complete egg against the Steelers. This is just kind of what life is like when you have a backup quarterback. That leaves you with both. Yeah, I'm going to double up on that a little bit for the um, for the uh, one to throw away. Just I thought I did not think this was Shane's best game. I I know a lot of people were upset with the run up the middle on third and four. I asked him about that. He almost. I, well, I really was asked about just overall in the game, and he went to that almost like he kind of knew that was an, an ugly moment. But I will say that like you're, he just ran out of so many players. Without Anthony Richardson, Michael Pittman Jr., and Jelani Woods, who it's easy to forget about but hasn't been there all year, is like you're just out of all the explosive playmakers outside Jonathan Taylor, and the defense does everything to take him away. And any coach is going to look mortal when that's the case. It's why I've always said players, not plays. I think that that ends up deciding some things down the stretch of a season. So, um, so I'll go with that one for one to throw away, one to go on. Um, I guess, I guess for one to go on, I'll just say that um, any game where they don't have Michael Pittman Jr., they're going to have a bad passing game. That's just how they've built this. They've got a backup quarterback. They've got young tackles who are, you know, have Birdie's had some good moments, but they are. Um, you know, it's still young tackles. They still get exposed sometimes against great players. Um, and the receiving core just doesn't have guys to step into the, the, all the volume stuff that he does um, undercover. So, uh, so, uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just say that in hopefully, hopefully with Michael Pittman Jr., it's just a, a one-game absence. He had the symptoms pop up on Saturday, so he's back in the concussion protocol obviously we hope for the best for him but um so hopefully it's not something we have to we have to that will go on but i just each the last two times i've seen them play without him jaguars last year this game and uh for a full game it's it's been it's been bad and that's it's it's like his contract demands uh, our contract value only went up today that is it for the First Impressions podcast. This is the most First Impressions it has ever been. Nate is about to drop me and our crack photographer, Robert Shear, who's the only person who had a good day today, uh, <laughs> off at the airport. <laughs> off at the airport, and I am going to fly home for Christmas. Nate has a later flight. That's why he's dropping us off and being a good teammate. Uh, but that's the First Impressions podcast. We'll be back midweek. Uh, hopefully the sting of this will have worn off. Honestly, hopefully it wears off for you before before Christmas morning. Uh if, if you celebrate Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, happy holidays. Those of you who don't celebrate Christmas, we'll be back uh, to get you ready for Colts and Raiders later this week.